you one of our students for Self-Improvement Wednesday. Each week you get to learn something new. Your lesson this week is Branded Cities, How Outdoor Advertising is Reshaping Our Towns. Your teacher is Kurt Iverson, Associate Professor of Urban Geography at the University of Sydney. Kurt, good afternoon. Afternoon, Richard. Well, increasingly, advertising not only covering our cities, it's funding our cities. Yeah, exactly. And... That's a really big change that I want to get into this afternoon. And uh, it first came to my attention a few years ago. I was off being an urban geographer, doing what urban geographers do. I was over in Chicago, actually, for work, exploring the city and taking some pictures of the things that I was observing. And I got back to my room and noticed a bus stop in the background of one of the photos that I'd taken. And up in the top corner of the bus stop is a little JC Deco logo. Okay. And I thought, hang on, that's the same logo that I've seen in the bus stops outside my office at Sydney Uni. Are they the company, so it's a French company, right? Mm -hmm. Are they the ones who invented this idea of of rocking up to a local council, whether it's in Montreal or Sydney uh, or Chicago, and saying, we'll actually supply some of the stuff you need if you let us put a sign on the back of it? Yeah, they are. And so if we think about it, the outdoors, the public realm has always been a space for posters and billboards and sandwich boards. In fact, it's one of the earliest spaces where the modern advertising industry sort of was born. But as you say, um, there's a moment that happens uh, a few decades ago now, just a couple, where we've got urban governments all over the world, a bit cash-strapped, wondering how they're going to fund all of these public facilities in the public realm. And along comes Mr. Decoe and says, well, I've got an idea. That's right. Let me put the bus stop on the street corner. Let me install the public telephone booth. But in return, let me display some advertising and I'll keep the revenue and use that to pay for this infrastructure that I'm giving you. Okay, now there's some ups and downs of this and we're we're going to get into this. But it is interesting to note that this is one area of advertising which has not been hit for six by the rise of the internet. Well, that's right, because since that age of billboards and everything pioneered 100 years ago, of course, we've had radio, television and the internet come along and advertising has followed into those places. But as you say, the rise of the internet particularly is really... uh, caused a big hit in radio, in newspapers, magazines, television, where the advertising money is flowing to where our eyeballs are flowing, which is to the internet. But the oldest advertising, the billboards, uh, the outdoor advertising is actually growing and it's a bit of a conundrum. And the reason that it's happening is because actually as that media landscape is diversifying and as our attention is you know, diverted to all of these different media, the advertisers are finding us harder and harder to map. They don't know where we are, but what they do know um, is that we're all going to go outside eventually and that one place to really grab our attention and particularly grab our attention when we're near the shops where we might spend money is actually while we're walking around in the public realm. And so, yeah, we've seen actually some of that movement of advertising dollars away from so-called old media actually go into the oldest of media as well as the newest. And, and it is now, I mean, it starts with this one company and the idea of the kiosks and, and, and so mm-hmm. forth, but it's now everywhere. I mean, you go to the airport and it's on the back of the door when you use the loo, isn't it? It's sort of ubiquitous. Yep. Of all the places where we are captive markets for our advertisers, that's one of them. It's in lifts, uh, it's on flower stands, it's on benches, it's on bus stops. Um, and so, as you say, it's just insinuated its way into all these different uh, parts of the urban public realm. And, uh, 
Yes. Does it matter? I mean, maybe it's good that they're spending, they're paying for a, a nice seat bench you can sit down on. Well, that's right. And, you know, I'm an academic, so I've, I've got a list uh, of some of the potential issues here. And as you say, it's presented as a kind of win-win, you know. We get the infrastructure. The government doesn't have to spend money. What could possibly be wrong? And, 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 and they clean it too. I mean, that's do. significant that's right. as well. Yes, they? that's right. So they, they're uh, maintaining it. And as you say, a global industry, so it's not just Sydney and Chicago and Paris. It's hundreds of cities around the world uh, and we're billions of dollars. But one of the most immediate problems, I think, if we're thinking about the quality of the public realm right across the city, is that this way of funding infrastructure can actually exacerbate spatial inequality. Because if you think about it, the advertising companies want their ads to be displayed in the places where they think they'll be seen by the most people and especially by the most cashed up people. So that means that you've got some local governments in a city like Sydney who can say, well, we've got very wealthy residents and we've got very busy streets and the advertising companies are beating down their door to try and fund uh, infrastructure for them. And you've got other poor old councillors who can't deliver that kind of audience to the advertisers and they're not interested. So you end up so, with, a, with a better, more public lose in Wallara than you have in a poorer suburb. Exactly right. And so we end up almost, yes, exacerbating that kind of inequality that, um, you know, if we think about funding these things through taxation, then we can, you know, distribute and redistribute public facilities as needed so that we don't find some people in some parts of the city with beautiful gold-plated mm-hmm. bus stops sheltering them from the sun and wind and other people with a little sign on a telegraph pole uh, exposed to the elements. I guess another thing is whether these public spaces traditionally were also used by people to put up a sign themselves, whether for the local rock band or for the lost cat. Oh, exactly. And so one of the great things about the street as a space of communication, as you say, is that it's been free. So if you can't afford to buy your ad space on the radio or on the television or on the internet, what you can do is stick up a notice on your telegraph pole or on your local bus stop. As you say, lost cats, lost dogs, lost keys. Uh, So... um, These infrastructures, as they become commercialised, actually, as you pointed out a minute ago, those ad companies are not only installing the ads, but they're very busy sending around their maintenance crews, ripping down anything that hasn't paid for the space. Uh, And so, again, we see this sort of battle between the commercial and the non-commercial advertising. And I see that play out um, at the university on City Road there in Sydney. We've got the students and the JC Deco people at war with one another about who gets (laughs) to put a message on the bus stop. So who owns our eyeballs, really, isn't it? Exactly. And and more broadly than that, I think, um, you know, one of the things that those infrastructures could do is actually also display public information. So we've got increasing digitization of those um, infrastructures where the ads are revolving. And so surely there could be messages about when the bus is going to arrive, as well as whether you should be buying KFC or Maccas for dinner once you That's get home. That's right. Well, that is one of the things, isn't it? The, the buses are so good at rolling messages about KFC, but not so good about rolling messages about where you're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and I think, you know, another one of the things that has certainly been in the courts actually recently as a problem here is that um, these advertising infrastructures are actually kind of cluttering up our public spaces. Um, and uh, That's a kind what, of the, the, what, the, visible, the visual amenity of it, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, sort of both the visual amenity but also the accessibility of it, actually. Uh, and they become obstacles and barriers to people as they're trying to move through public spaces sometimes. So uh, one of the big companies in this uh, industry was first called AdShell, and that sort of, I think, you know, represents the fact that they were really thinking about this as advertising infrastructure first. It's a shell for an ad. Yeah, yeah, That's what it yeah. is. And so the City of Melbourne uh, and the City of Sydney actually recently had a court battle with Telstra over exactly this issue. 
Telstra were partnering with an ad company to put these massive public payphones in the middle of footpaths in Melbourne, taking up a lot of space. Very few people are using them. What they're actually there to do, as the Deputy Mayor of Melbourne said, is that they're billboards masquerading as payphones. And uh, the city took them to court to say, actually, you can't put them there because you don't have planning approval for an ad. You've got planning approval for For public infrastructure, right? Uh, And Telstra said, no, 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 it's just a phone um, and we've got every right to do it. And the city actually won in that court case uh, and forced those giant billboards to be removed from the middle of those footpaths. I was going to ask, is there any limit to it? But I don't think there is. There's a, there's a great example in one town in America where the potholes were branded. Yep. This, pot coal, this pothole uh, fixed... Thanks to KFC. That's right. I kid you not. So, yep. I mean, so they fixed the pothole and in the Asheville or whatever. Stenciled right over the top of the pothole that had been uh, patched up was the little KFC logo and a little reminder that that's who patched it up for you. And again, controversial, not just because surely that ought to be a job Mm -hmm. of government to fix potholes, but also because, you know, we don't need people distracted by stencils on the footpath and the road as they're driving along either. Brought Uh, brought to you by the Dirty Duck to return to our previous (laughs) conversation. Yeah. Which no one will understand on the podcast of this, but no, no, people who are listening to, to the radio, radio we know will. what we're talking about. We know what we're talking about. So, you know, there are, this is quite a recent thing, isn't it? I remember when the, the, uh, these first came to Sydney. It must only be 20 years ago or something. Yeah. And, and they're, now, they're now so much a part of the fabric of the city, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. And, like, they continue to evolve, which I think is really important too. So we're seeing not only the sort of digital displays on these outdoor advertisements, but we're actually seeing tracking software and devices built into the infrastructures. So uh, folks may not know as they enter Westfields um, in Sydney, uh, there are the same little, you know, billboards and screens inside the shopping centre. But if you look very carefully right up the top of those screens is a little camera, like the camera at the top of your iPhone. Okay, so when you're trying to work out where the chemist is, they're filming you, are they? Or even when you're just looking at the ad that's being displayed on the screen. And what it's doing is actually literally tracking your eyeballs to see if you're looking at the screen and then there's software at the back end of it that is profiling you to figure out whether it's only the 20-something blokes or the 30-something women that are paying attention to the screen. Um, Who's watching my ad? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, And another example we saw in New York and London recently was uh, a company installing these information kiosks that had, you know, advertising funded but also information. But um, it turned out that they were also little uh, Wi-Fi beacons, uh, Bluetooth beacons that were collecting information about everybody's mobile phones who walked past and then being able to push advertisements straight to them. So... You know, continuing evolution in this space, and those are two examples that have generated quite a bit of controversy, as you can imagine, the sort of politics of privacy and profiling in those kinds of applications. Well, are we're watching them, and they're watching, watching us. us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for the lesson. Oh, no worries. Isn't that interesting? Uh, Kate Iverson, Associate Professor of Urban Geography in the School of Geosciences at the University of Sydney. You can listen back to his lesson online, of course, abc.net.au. Subscribe there to the free Self-Improvement Wednesday podcast. Uh, there you'll also find details of, uh, of what's coming up on Self-Improvement Wednesday.